whether Lane Lambert would represent a new voice, he embraced the fact that that was part of his role as a head coach. Players have described how intense Lane Lambert can be. One potential awkward thing in this transition. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 135, as we dissect the news that President and General Manager Lou Lamarillo has elevated longtime Barry Trotz Lieutenant Lane Lambert from associate coach to head coach to replace his fired boss. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross, and please find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And in going over Lambert's hiring, I'll intersperse some audio from Monday's combined Zoom teleconference with Lou Lamarillo and Lane Lambert shortly after his hiring, or more precisely, uh, his promotion was announced. I'll also chat with Stephen Wino of the Associated Press, who is based in Washington and has covered both Lane Lambert and Barry Trotz while they were together leading the Capitals, including on that Stanley Cup run in 2018. And as for my initial reaction, honestly, it's not one of great surprise, just as the previous Monday's news that Barry Trotz had been fired didn't necessarily catch me off guard all that much. Uh, I, I included Lane Lambert in my list or on my list of potential candidates as a replacement for Barry Trotz, and I, I, I think everybody in their right mind did. The only thing I grappled with was whether Lane Lambert would represent a new voice. Uh, and if you remember when Lou Lamarillo was asked what he was looking for or why he had decided to fire Barry Trotz after four seasons, uh, Lou Lamarillo uh, stipulated he was looking for a new voice for this group of players. And he said the players were on notice uh, with Barry Trotz being fired, but he felt it was his evaluation that the, the group needed a new voice. And uh, I always, I was trying to balance how Lane Lambert, who has worked with Barry Trotz dating back to 2011 uh, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, and, and has been the Islanders' associate coach for four seasons and therefore intimately involved in all the game planning and, and in communicating to the players, I, I was wondering and grappling with how that does represent a new voice. And I guess we will see whether it does or not, but Lou Lamarillo sort of walked back on that new voice characterization while at the same time explaining why he believes Lane Lambert really does represent a new voice for the New York Islanders. Well, first of all, when you say a new voice, uh, there's a tremendous difference between an assistant coach and a head coach. Uh, it's bigger than I think anyone can sometimes understand. And uh, that new voice is here with uh, Lane, and certainly... Uh, Lane has different thoughts on different things. Everybody does. And you learn when you're an assistant coach sometimes more of what you wouldn't do and sometimes what you would do and vice versa. 
so there is, without question, a new voice. Maybe it wasn't uh, the right phrase that I should have used, but it is a new voice in the position uh, that Lane is now in. And I would say uh, a, a big new voice in that because we're talking about two totally different personalities with reference to Barry and Lane. Lula Marilla wanted to make it very clear that he believes there are big differences in the personalities between Barry Trotz and, and Lane Lambert. And, and for sure, uh, even on the surface, you can see that. Uh, Barry Trotz was much more talkative in public settings. And I'm not going to lie, from a media standpoint, Barry Trotz was a godsend during the COVID-19 pandemic as our access to the dressing room was closed. And uh, and that le- meant that uh, the one-on-one relationships that the media could develop with the players was essentially taken away. And uh, for, from that standpoint, Barry's willingness to expand on questions and, and to give thoughtful answers and, and to not be shy or resentful of the media process of going into those pressers. Barry Trotz embraced the fact that he was talking for the New York Islanders on a daily basis. And he, he, he embraced the fact that that was part of his role as a head coach. And it just fit in with his personality. I mean, even when the cameras are off, Barry, Barry is a chatty conversationalist. He, he, he enjoys those human re- interactions. And uh, Lane Lambert, uh, as he showed during his two-week or so stint in the, as the Islanders' interim coach in early January, and we'll be talking a lot more about how those two weeks influenced Lou Lamorello, uh, Lane Lambert, as he showed during those two weeks as the Islanders' interim coach, is much more reserved, at least when it comes to the press conference setting. Now, that's not necessarily the case within team circles. Players have described how intense Lane Lambert can be, how it, how focused on the details Lane Lambert can be, and, and also what great listening skills Lane Lambert has. And all three of those are, are traits of excellent coaches. Lane Lambert believes the fact that he knows this group of players so well will work to his advantage as he takes over as the Islanders' head coach and, in fact, takes over as a head coach for the first time in his coaching, in his NHL coaching career. He believes having that foundation with this core group of players will work to his advantage. And it is, believe me, quite, quite different from when Barry Trotz and the staff came over from the Capitals in 2018 and took over the Islanders in, in what was a very hectic summer coming off a Stanley Cup win and, and all that goes around with that and then trying to come to uh, the Islanders and establish relationships. Those were, you know, that was a, a coaching staff of strangers meeting players who were strangers, basically strangers meeting strangers. But that's not how it is now. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a real tremendous advantage. Um, you know, I've, like you say, I've been here for four years. I've been working with, with each individual, um, for that, for that period of time for the most part. And, uh, I, I think it gives us an advantage to hit the ground running. 
Um, we certainly uh, have a have a good relationship, and I think you know a lot of the players are excited by the fact that uh, we're going to be able to you know they have an, uh, uh, someone that's familiar with them coming in as well. And, and look, coaches' voices go stale in the NHL often much quicker than should be the case. It's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to reconcile dumping Barry Trotz, who is headed for the Hall of Fame and will be named to one of these openings around the NHL at some point this offseason, provided he still wants to coach. But Lou Lamarillo has always displayed a heightened antenna for when he perceives things to be going south with a coach. And he tends to be proactive in his coaching decisions rather than reactive, and sometimes they they appear to be head-scratchers, uh, firing Claude Julien uh, from the Devils uh, right before the playoffs. This is Claude Julien who, who, who went on to coach the Bruins to a, 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 a Stanley Cup. Uh, just so many instances of coaches... Who, who had the Devils in playoff position and, and, and potentially close to the playoff time being fired. But again, as soon as Lou Lamorello senses anything awry, he's, like I said, he's much more prone to being proactive uh, than, than reactive and waiting too long. So again, in that sense... Barry Trotz being fired here is not a surprise. He was with the Islanders for four seasons, and uh, we, we went over this, but uh, you know, out of those four seasons, you can really only call the first one a, quote, normal season, a normal 82-game season. Obviously, uh, the middle two seasons, the first one uh, was when the COVID-19 pandemic shut everything down for four months, and then you go play the playoffs and bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, and uh, the following season was uh, truncated down to 56 games, didn't start until January, and, and the playoffs went deeper into uh, June uh, than normal. So uh, that that was not a normal season either. And this season, look, they, they yeah, they played the 82 games, but there was not one thing that was normal about the Islanders' season this season. We've gone over it, but... Uh, Look, one thing neither Lou Lamarillo nor Lane Lambert went into detail in or on in their joint teleconference was exactly what the interview process was like over the the week between the Monday to Monday between Barry Trotz being fired and Lane Lambert being promoted. Uh, uh, Lou did not get into whether other candidates were talked to. And I personally would have to think someone else was talked to that he didn't just, you know, interview Lane Lambert. But look, Lou Lamarillo is also very decisive and he really could have zeroed in on Lambert immediately. Um, you know, if that comes out, would I be shocked by that? Probably not, although it would be a little, uh, maybe a little unorthodox, um, especially with some good candidates out there. You know, I, I'd been... Uh, public and saying, I, I think, you know, if uh, a call should have been pulled, put into Paul Maurice to see if Paul Maurice had any interest in, in calling and in coaching. And obviously there was, uh, you know, speculation that 
Lou Lamarillo's relationship with uh, Mike Babcock might get Mike Babcock a sniff at the Islanders' job, but it went to Lane Lambert. And uh, look, uh, Lou spent a lot of time during the tele the teleconference describing exactly how impressed he was. As I mentioned before, that that stretch, uh, the first couple of weeks in January when Lane Lambert was forced to substitute for Barry as the Islanders' interim coach. Uh, first, when Barry Trotz's mother passed away, I believe that was uh, January 1st, and then Barry had to miss uh, the subsequent two games after going into COVID protocol. Uh, the Islanders went 2-1 and one in that stretch, but it was more than their record that caught Lou Lamorello's eye uh, during that period. You know, there's never a, a good time for anything But once the decision was made to uh, make a coaching change, uh, then the total focus was on who would be the best individual uh, to lead this team uh, to where I thought uh, we can get and should get. And certainly uh, uh, no one had any knowledge of a change being made. And Lane, without question, uh, was on top of that list. Uh, from my experiences with him over the past four years, and in particular, uh, not only working with him as an assistant coach, but working him, working with him uh, for over two weeks when he was the head coach and working as I would work with the head coach as the position I have uh, uh, was uh, something that kept behind my mind and the way Lane operated, uh, the different things that he did uh, during that period of time. And I prefaced when he became that interim coach because of some extenuating circumstances and family issues uh, with Barry to coach as if he were coaching from the day one of the season and not just try and do the same things that were done prior to him. And I was extremely impressed with the way he handled each and every situation, and I did make it a point to sit in on meetings and to be more visible or around than I normally would be. Uh, so he was certainly there, but I had no idea what Lane's thoughts were on this position uh, because no one knew that this was happening. Uh, so I had to give a lot of thought to a lot of different potential situations. Uh, uh, but after... Uh, going through the due process and spending the time with Lane that I have over the last several days. Uh, uh, obviously, I'm totally comfortable, and I feel it's a great day uh, for the New York Islands. Now, one potential awkward thing in this transition is the relationship between Barry Trotz and Lane Lambert, um, which is a good one. Lane Lambert has been on Trotz's staffs first in Nashville from 2011 to 24, uh, 2014, then in Washington from 2014 to 2018, and now these past four seasons with the Islanders. Beyond that, Lambert and Trotz surely worked together uh, closely uh, once Lambert started coaching in the Nashville organization with uh, their AHL affiliate in Milwaukee, and that uh, he was hired in Milwaukee in 2007. So you're talking about a long association and presumably, certainly in the interactions we saw between the two, uh, a very long and deep friendship. 
But as Lane Lambert described, Barry Trotz has seemingly given his blessing to this hiring, and Barry Trotz has long championed Lane Lambert's readiness to be an NHL coach. Yeah, actually, I, I did. Uh, you know, I talked to Barry um, last week uh, early on, and uh, after he had received the news, and he he told me that he was hoping that I would get the job, and then I just spoke to him not too long ago, and uh, he he used the words that he was uh, uh, thrilled. No matter what qualities Lane Lambert has or what Lou Lamarillo perceives Lane Lambert has that make him desirable at this moment to hire him as the Islanders coach, none of that matters unless the Islanders again become a playoff contender. And it's very clear that Lane Lambert has an immediate mandate to return the Islanders to being the Stanley Cup contender that they were back in their back-to-back runs to the NHL semifinals in 2020 and 2021, losing both times to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And this season was the only time in Barry Trotz's four seasons with the Islanders that he missed the playoffs, and and he was fired. Um, Now, Lane Lambert, how much, you know, responsibility do you put on Lane Lambert there? Barry Trotz is, you know, discussed before he was fired. Maybe some missteps through the season in in planning and and getting through the Islanders, through the challenges they faced. And, uh, you know, how much responsibility does Lane Lambert have there? Obviously not enough to keep him from being hired, uh, for sure. Um, Look, Lou Lamarillo has said he wants to make some hockey trades or at least a hockey trade uh, this summer to improve the team offensively. It's very clear he needs to bring in also at least one puck-moving defenseman. And look, let's be honest, two puck-moving defensemen would be much better uh, for the Islanders. And as Newsday columnist and frequent Island Ice co-host Neil Best wrote about uh, with this move from Barry Trotz to Lane Lambert. Next season now becomes all about Lou Lamarillo. It it did not work out for the Capitals when they opted to let Barry Trotz walk after winning the Cup in 2018 uh, in order to elevate associate coach Todd Reardon. Reardon never won a playoff round with the Capitals and is now on Mike Sullivan's staff with the Penguins. And for that matter, the, the Capitals have been eliminated in four uh, have been eliminated four straight times in the first round since Barry Trotz left. So moving out one coach to retain another coach, and, and you got to think there's a good chance that Lane Lambert possibly leaving for a head coaching opportunity elsewhere played into Lamarillo's decision. Um, it, it's not. It, it's obviously not always the right answer, and if it's not. The right answer with Lane Lambert here, and uh, I don't want to say we'll find out quickly enough. I mean, that's something to be discussed next offseason. It, it it still would be more on Lou Lamarillo than Lane Lambert. And here's Lane Lambert's answer when I asked him about his emotions on finally at age 57 getting his first opportunity to be an NHL head coach, and also whether he felt he had a mandate. And you'll see uh, Lane is pretty good with his media training because he essentially sidestepped that portion uh, of my question. Uh, first of all, emotions, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good day. Um, 
something that, you know, I have been preparing for for a long time um, throughout many years in the game and, and many years as a coach. Um, and uh, so there's there's a level of excitement for sure um, from a family standpoint and everything like that. But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, Barry and I have worked a long time together um, and, you know, there's so many things uh, that that he's done that I've learned from. Um, and, uh, you know, but I've been in that role where uh, he's been the head coach and now it flips for me to be the head coach. And, um, you know, I just I, I envision us uh, taking the summer to evaluate what we have. And, uh, you know, moving forward from there and giving our team the best opportunity to win. There's no doubt Lane Lambert does face a challenging task. And not just in returning the Islanders to contending status. Going from an assistant coach or an associate coach to, to being a head coach is not always the easiest of transitions. Assistants have much more leeway to be buddy-buddy with the players. Head coaches often can't afford to have that type of relationships and, and still make a lot of the tough calls on playing time and, and, and even who's on the on the roster if you're too buddy-buddy like that. In, in general, head coaches, uh, for lack of a better phrase, have to be a little more aloof from the players um, to varying degrees. And, and in saying that, look, I'm not suggesting Barry Trotz was aloof in his dealings with the Islanders. I'm just saying that he couldn't afford to be uh, you know, that that buddy-buddy ear uh, that, that perhaps Lane Lambert or Jim Hiller or John Gruden or a Piero Greco or a, a Mitch Korn, uh, the whole staff. And by the way, Lou Lamorello again said that everyone on staff remains under contract. Um, often going from more of a buddy-buddy role to being, uh, again, for lack of a better phrase, more aloof, that's a tough lesson for new coaches to learn. Andrew, that's slow and, and interesting. It's, in fact, it's a great question. And I think that in my position, that has to be given a lot of thought. It's the personality of the individual who was the assistant coach and how he handled his role in the role that he played with the player, whether it was a buddy-buddy role, whether it was an instructional role, whether it was a leadership role. And I have no question whatsoever in my observation of Lane and his interaction uh, with the players uh, because I did see that firsthand during that period of time on how he took the lead and how the players responded to that. So it's a great question and it's a great observation, but no concern from here whatsoever through the eyes of the players or anyone including assistant coaches. Now, to discuss Lane Lambert's hiring and Barry Trotz's firing further, I got together with the Associated Press's Stephen Wino, a very bright and clued-in hockey writer based in Washington, D.C. Wino first covered the Capitals for the Washington Times before moving on to Toronto and covering hockey, a very prestigious job with the Canadian press, um, ultimately returning to the D.C. area for the Associated Press midway through Trotz and Lambert's tenure with the Capitals. Like I said, thrilled to uh, 
have Stephen Wino of the Associated Press jump on. And uh, uh, Steve has certainly uh, had a background with Lane Lambert and Barry Trotz in, uh, in Washington when, during their tenure with the Capitals. And uh, first off, Stephen, uh, what was your reaction today when you hear Lane, Lane Lambert's finally getting his first head coaching job in the NHL? And what, what, what impressions did you take of him when you were covering him uh, with the Capitals? I was Andrew. I was shocked because I, I really didn't think that Lane Lambert would take the job after his guy Barry Trotz got gets fired. And 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 after talk after asking Lane Lane about this a little bit ago and, and him saying basically he got Barry Trotz's blessing, it, it makes more sense now that the Islanders certainly got a a cheaper version of Barry Trotz. And 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 I know Lou Lamarillo wants to say this is a very different voice and a different guy, but I, I think you're getting a lot of Barry Trotz still in Lane Lambert. It's not like he's a young, fresh-faced coach. He's been around for a while. He did play in the NHL for, for 300 games and kind of has that background as, as maybe a better player uh, than Barry Trotz was and, and certainly a different style. But this is a, what's interesting to me is Lane Lambert in D.C. kind of wasn't saying not in the shadows, but he wasn't ever the focal point as an assistant. And Todd Reardon certainly was and wanted to be. He was the associate coach. He was the guy who everybody know, knew he wanted the job, and he made it clear that, that he wanted to be a head coach. And as much as Lane Lambert had a future as a head coach, and Barry Trotz ex kind of extolled his virtues as such, it was never Lane Lambert kind of advertising it. He was not a self-promoting guy being like he wanted to kind of break out of Barry's shadow and break out of his shell and become a coach. He, he kind of did his job. And I think Lane Lambert was very good at be, doing the delegating part of, of Barry says, go take care of the penalty kill, go take care of this, that. And, and, and Todd Reardon was in charge of the defenseman and Lane Lambert had, had penalty kill in the forwards. And so he had job that, that he could do and he did it very well. What would be fascinating to me, and, and as we discussed with, with Lula Morello, is what is he like as the head coach, as the CEO? And, and, and certainly seems like he's got a lot of Barry Trotz in him that way in his decisiveness and kind of being willing to, to, to basically say, this is my gut feeling and I'm going to do it. And, and maybe he's maybe a little bit more process oriented than, than Barry Trotz and that, that Barry does trust his gut a lot and has his instincts over the years. And I think Lane Lambert might be almost a new school style of coach in that way, in that he's very process oriented in, in the decisions he makes and the directions he goes in. You've went over a little bit of or a lot of what I wanted to ask you next, but it did not work in Washington with Todd Reardon. Um, and everyone knows that situation as, as you, you know, kind of described is that the Capitals kind of passed on Barry Trotz to elevate Todd Reardon and it did not work. And uh, the, the Capitals still have not won a playoff series since Barry walked out the door. Um, why, why could this be different? here with the Islanders. I think the blessing part has a big, big part to do with this. I think if this was, if it was clear in any way that Lam Lane Lambert had stabbed Barry Trotz in the back, I think you'd have a certain faction of players kind of unwilling to kind of go along with this. And, and I, and, and unless, unless Lane is lying to us, which we have no reason to believe that. And he, and Barry Trotz really does hope he did hope he got, got the job and was thrilled for him and those sort of things. I think there's a certain level of, this is a succession more than a replacement. And, and, and I say that in that maybe Lou Lamarello all along thought he was going to, to he was firing Barry Trost to hire Lane Lambert. Only Lou knows that. But I don't necessarily think it was necessarily Lane Lambert saying, hey, if you fire Barry, I want the job. 
and kind of like working behind his back. And I think that that, that was how the situation was in Washington and, and very different. And they won the Stanley Cup and, and the, the contract dispute that happened with the front office and those sort of things and all the kind of internal politics that happened. This was missing the playoffs for the for the first time in four years and, and handing it off to somebody who is, was part of it as well. That's the similarity and that the, the continuity is what the Capitals said and Brian McClellan said at the time was, well, if we're not going to have Barry Trotz back and we don't think he's going to be here that much longer anyway, let's have a guy who runs his system doing it. And I'll credit Lula Morello for that is he's basically not, he's not saying I want to do Barry. He's like, this guy is different than Barry. And, and, and it, it is and it, saying that I think gives uh, Lane Lambert a better chance at succeeding because he doesn't have to be Barry Trotz. He can be himself and take whatever kind of things he's learned from Barry Trotz and players have learned from Barry Trotz and kind of put his own spin on it. You know, I think it's interesting. You bring up a great point, but we're not going to know what differences Lane Lambert brings to the table from Barry Trotz, probably for, you know, I don't know how quickly into the season, but I don't think it's going to smack you in the face the first day of training camp. It's going to be a process of learning it, and maybe it's that way for the players too. But, uh, you know, I'm not struggling, but I'm really trying to frame this in, in how Lane Lambert is going to be different. Uh, I don't know if you have, you know, any definitive thoughts on that. No, I, I, I think it's a little bit of the process stuff. I think Barry Trotz has been in the game for so long as a coach that it's almost like when a, like a star chef is hard to like describe how to do something to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. I think Adam Oates struggled with this as a, as, as a head coach in that he was so good. And Wayne Gretzky too. When you're so good at something, and not necessarily the playing aspect for Trotz, but I think as a coach, he knew exactly intrinsically what he wanted to do. And so rather than being able to kind of explain everything and have a reason behind, this is why I made this decision, this is why I made this, and be able to almost draw a roadmap, it's, I've been around, I know what I'm doing. And it's kind of like, like Lou is like that as an executive, is you, you have a certain feel after a while. And I think one benefit Lane Lambert might have, and, and you could say it's not a benefit because he hasn't been doing this, but he, as an assistant, has to explain things to players. He's had to explain, okay, this is why we're benching you. This is why we're demoting you. And, 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 and I think he's got, and, and, and Lou kind of referenced this, the way he makes his decisions, there's a lot of reason behind it. And, and I think, not to say he's colder in, in any way, but I think being a more modern style coach in kind of explaining and having a reason like, okay, I'm going to show you, this is your numbers in this situation. This is why I'm doing this. And I think, in, I think the communication part of why he makes decisions might be very different than Barry Trotz. But you're right. I don't think it's going to be something that you, it slaps you in the face the first day of training camp and he's running things differently. I think it's going to be a very subtle differences that, that either will work better for players or will not work better for players. Do you see, do you see this as a huge gamble on Lou Lamarillo's part? Not necessarily hiring Lane Lambert, but the start of it in firing Barry Trotz. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it is. Of course, it's, of course, it's a gamble. Whenever you have a coach who is as accomplished as Barry Trotz and has had the success he's had with the team, it's a gamble to move on. It's always a risk in that situation. And, and, and we're also not going to know for a year or, or more whether this was a good decision. And, and, and with every kind of coach firing, it's going to take time to figure that out. But yeah, you, when you have a proven coach and who has got a track record and a, and a guy who's never done this before, Yes, it's, it, there, there's a risk to that, that Lou Lamorello, who at 79 years old, uh, he has gone this way with coaches before and, and fired coaches in weird circumstances before. 
he, if he feels like with a limited amount of years, this team as a core might have to, to win a championship, he, he must feel like the risk is, is, is worth that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, and we keep, we keep saying, well, this has got to be Lou's last coaching hire. Right. But it, <laughs> you know, it, it never, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, there, I don't you never know. Yeah. Yeah. In talking about shelf lives though, I mean, it's always been endemic to the NHL that, you know, most coaches, you know, probably get two, three seasons. I mean, you look today, Pete DeBoer got fired again, right? Um, And in in my mind, there's no doubt Pete DeBoer is going to land another job somewhere. Just in my mind, there's no doubt Barry Trotz will wind up someplace, right? Um, Is the shelf life for these guys getting shorter and shorter and is it because uh, how much of the quote-unquote modern hockey player is the reason for that with maybe shorter attention spans maybe maybe a little bit i I do think the leash is shorter and john cooper referenced this recently and saying like he's the he's the rare he's the exception to the rule of of kind of being hired to be fired and 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 the lightning have shown a lot of patience in him even after that loss in 2019 and, and he rewards them by winning the cup back to back. And, and, and I don't think we can question that John Cooper is probably the best coach in hockey for, for a lot of reasons. But I think the sh- shelf life is shorter because just the, in life, we have less patience. I, I think I don't necessarily think it's players, but I think as management, ownership, fan bases, there's less patience with everyone and, and the expectation. And only one team can win a championship every year. But it's like, what is your what is your standard for success? And the Capitals this year? probably win one more round. It would have been a, a successful year, but Pierre Laviolette's not going anywhere. There, there's still an expectation that he is the right coach for this team, but they're not talking about a contract extension. So he may be go through next year and just walk out the door. I, I think, and, and, and that being three seasons might be about right. Uh, it's, it's, it's so different in hockey too. The NFL, you hire a coach and it's an entire program. I mean, he's got an entire staff and a system and all these things. Hockey, more than anything, not saying coaching is not important, because I think it's important at certain times of the year of certain things and delivering messages and strategy in the playoffs. But systems aren't that much different from coach to coach. Voices, personalities, all that are different. But you can take you can plug and play different guys. And we saw the Penguins and the Blues and the Kings all fire their coach midseason, win a Stanley Cup. And it shows just how you really can kind of mix and match these guys. And, and not to say coaches are disposable because you do still, still have value in, in the Barry Trotz's, the Bruce Boudreaux's, the, 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 the John Cooper's, Mike Sullivan's. But if, you, if you're not sure the margin from one to another is that much different and you think a spark from a new coach makes that big of a difference, then that's why these things keep, keep happening. Uh, just going down that path, does analytics play a role in that? Because analytics... I don't know that it's pervasive yet in hockey the way it is, you know, now in, in baseball, but, you know, we, we've certainly seen in baseball that managers do not have the same, uh, what's the word, control, because the analytics department is dictating a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I think hockey's further away from that. I actually asked Gary Bedman about this uh, recently, just about kind of like, is there a point where there's too much analytics? And, and I think his answer fits to this one. The game's too fast. Like baseball, you can have a robot make decisions based on what the most likely probability is. You can. Like, you, like if you say uh, this pitcher, and, and we've seen guys get Kershaw get pulled in the middle of a perfect game, and it's like if the analytics say after 108 pitches, then you got to get a guy out of a game or whatever, you can make those decisions without a human being. And so I think that part of it is different. In hockey, I think 
you, you never take that away because so much of the sport is, is instinct and feel and, and so many random things happen, good and bad. But the, the, the sport is so fast that you need someone to kind of pull the reins back and control things. And so I, I do think you, the difference between a Daryl Sutter coach team and a Bruce Boudreau coach team looks entirely different. Maybe the systems are similar in kind of what they want at defending and puck possession, this sort of things. But the delivering of that is very much different than here. But let's shift over this part of the infield or this part of the outfield and, and, and kind of almost have it all mapped out. Any thoughts on if Barry Trotz does want to coach next season? And I actually think that, you know, that might be a question. He might want to take a breather. He hasn't had a breather in years and years and years. But if Barry wants to jump right back into it, any, any thoughts on what the best spot for him might be? Of, of the three prominent options right now, it, it's tough to tell what's better for him. And, and I'm talking ownership-wise, win, winning expectations, because Philadelphia would, would be a very kind of easy place for him to go, still in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, they'd be able to pay him. Vegas would be able to pay him, but the expectation is to win a Stanley Cup immediately. Winnipeg being kind of a return home for a guy from, from, from Manitoba in that area, I, I don't know if he wants that sort of pressure or if he would embrace that sort of pressure. I think it's three very different jobs of what do he and his wife and, and family want out of where they want to live, what kind of expectations they want. And, and, and you're right. Does he, does he want some, some time away? I, I don't even think it'd be a bad idea for Barry Trotz to sit around and wait to be an early season kind of coaching replacement. If something goes wrong, we don't even know if John Hines is going to be back in Nashville and, and, and whether that you'd kind of run that back with the predators, but the, there are certainly options out there. I mean, I, if I were Barry Trotz's agent, I, I think Winnipeg makes a lot of sense if he and his wife want to live there uh, because he, he's, he's so beloved that I think his number, the number of years he would get a honeymoon period for it is higher than he would get anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's, it does seem like, uh, you know, he's got, he's obviously got his father up there. So it, that makes a lot of sense off the ice. Hey, last one. Uh, I know you're on your way to the Preakness draw. Any any thoughts on what we saw in the Kentucky Derby and uh, what are you expecting in the Preakness? It's uh, to me, it's disappointing that you, when you don't get a chance at a triple crown run, rich strike is not, is pointed towards Belmont. And I will say not that this was a hard call, but that horse screwed me up because I had epicenter and Zandon one, two in the Derby. So, so did I, 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 I would, I would have made a significant, significant amount of money on a pick six <laughs> on some other things if, if that horse just had not run the way that yeah. But yeah no, I'm, I'm, I, it's disappointing that he didn't run the preakness you kind of understand it from a financial standpoint from the owners of it's way better to, to, to have a horse who won the derby and won the belmont than who won the derby and finished sixth in the preakness because he was tired and then didn't run back in the belmont i understand but it is it, it's, it's disappointing it's disappointing that the zandon is not running also and, and and uno joe is out and it's an eight horse field for the preakness I mean, the, the, the Derby run was, was miraculous. Like you can watch that overhead view of that over and over again. And, and just one of the more improbable runs you can, you can imagine. Cause at the stretch, like we all thought we had it, like you, you have epicenter and Zandon and, and yeah. you're there and the Japanese horse is kind of, kind of there. And you're like, well, I guess, I guess it's, and, and then the horse comes out of nowhere. A great story. Like I, I, I felt better about it knowing I was going to be covering the practice thinking this is a great story to write about. And now the horse is out. So that's, that's a sad part. Well, Stephen, I, I appreciate your insight into everything. I hope to catch up to you uh, at Belmont. If we are both there, that will be a, a fun day. But uh, listen, always great catching up with you. And thanks for everything. Great, great talking to you as well, Andrew. So thank you to the 
Stephen Wino for his time and congratulations and good luck to Lane Lambert in his new role as the Islanders' 18th head coach. And to check out any of the any of Newsday's coverage on the subject, please go to newsday.com backslash aisles. And again, you can find me, Andrew Gross, on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.